Amen. Can we just thank Jesus for unity in the church, for his power, his goodness? How many of you know some battles have been fought this morning? I pray whatever personal struggles, whatever personal battles you deal with, it's when we get in the presence of God, that's where things change. This is how we fight our battles. And it's amazing, before um, uh, Jesus would do public ministry, the Bible would always say he would escape up into the mountains because that's where the battle was fought. And then that's where power was deposited into his life. And then he took it and then he did miracles. He healed. He brought unity. And I believe as a church, as a body, that we're going to see the power of God as we go to new levels in unity. I'm excited you're here. If it's your first time here this week, we are closing off our series, Hidden Figures. And uh, man, it's been a powerful series. The first week we talked about the miracle of unity and diversity. Did y'all enjoy that? As we uh, broke through some things, broke through some chains, and how we see that um, being diverse doesn't mean everyone conforms into the same thing, but there's strength, there's different parts of the body. And when we all unite underneath the head, who's Jesus Christ, that's where amazing things can happen. And that's where there's power in your home, there's power in your marriage, there's power in the workplace. Whatever you touch, can God can anoint and his purpose can come forth. Last week, we hosted um, our special guest, Miss Novella from the Freedom Center of the Underground Railroad in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she hit on some strongholds that have uh, been in our, in our uh, city, in our country, and how through the power of God, through getting into God's word and understanding history, we can see and we can learn from the past. Aren't you thankful for how far um, our city has come? And there's still progress to be made. But I believe this week, this morning, the title of the message is How to Heal the Divide. And we're going to look at uh, the, the power of, of Scripture, of some things Jesus spoke, of how really what it looks like to love, what it looks like to be unified. So if you bow your head, I want to pray, and let's invite the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you that your sweet, sweet presence is here. Holy Spirit, we give you complete control in this place. God, I thank you for the miracle of unity that's in this house. I thank you for the diversity that you've blessed Gathering Place Church with. I thank you for the growth of this church. I thank you for the growth of our school. God, we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us encounter heaven this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. 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 So starting off, we have to know and... It's a beautiful picture you saw when we all come together and then you, you saw toward the end of the video, you see into the eyes of the Spirit that when we come together, we're pulling down strongholds. I believe every time we come together, we pull down strongholds that are on our city and strongholds that are in our lives. Paul reminds the church as we looked at the church in Ephesus and you look in the epistles, the church, the battles and the struggles they deal with. How many of you know we don't fight against what? Flesh and blood but we fight against principalities, the rulers, the powers, the darkness of the age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That is where our battle is. And as we said, how do we fight our battles? We get into the presence of God. We pray. We get into God's word and we don't just read it, but we actually do it. Our world, I believe wholeheartedly, our world is so sick and tired of just hearing about the love of God. They need to see the love of God. And God has given us the ability to literally go and be the church wherever we go and to take the love of God. But we have to understand that we have uh, an accuser of the brethren who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And it happens. We fight our battles in spiritual warfare. 
So that's number one. Number two, if you're taking notes, some things that we see that just cause conflict is different perspectives. You get into a heated election season. So many Christians and so many people get election infection. And we just see people get divided. You see people get pitted against each other. That's never the heart of God. Now there's time for conversation as we talked in, in week one that we stay in the room without uh, leaving the room with, and without removing things from the room. So there's healthy ways to talk and have different disagreements. But we see our world is, is in, in outside the church and even in the church, unfortunately, is so divided. There's thousands and thousands of denominations. These things were never the heart of God. God desires for all of us to be going toward the same thing. So conflicting perspectives can cause disunity very quickly. Me and Bree can have a different perspective on where we want to eat one night or maybe how we want to raise our, uh, our baby boy that's uh, in the oven cooking right now. But there's something powerful. I'm excited to be a dad, by the way, y'all. I'm excited. A baby boy at that. We were praying for him. We got us a boy. Who knows? He could be a preacher. I'm just throwing that out there. So it's exciting. But different perspectives. What's amazing about the Word of God is when we all get the perspective of Jesus, that's when we can begin to see things change. How many of you want the perspective of Jesus? Well, that comes through the Holy Spirit, and that comes by knowing the Word. I love when I lived in different states and around different people. It's amazing how quickly you can unify with someone when you connect with Jesus. It's like, man, I feel like I've just met you, but I've known you forever. So there's a depth you can connect with people when you're on the same perspective. Another thing that we see through what's happened in, in Parkland, Florida, through the, the school shooting and uh, what happens when we turn on the news and we just see these terrible things happening, like the church shooting that happened in, in Texas, is it can bring up wounds and it can bring up rage and it, can, it's, it makes things so raw and you see that everyone has, this is what we need to do, this is what needs to change, this is what government needs to do. Really, government can change and do all that they think and say that they're going to do, but at the end of the day, Jesus needs to be on the forefront and the love of God needs to come forth through the church because that is where hearts are going to change. We can change law all we want, but unless hearts are changed, we will never see real Christ-centered change. And so my heart, as we close out hidden figures, this one goes out to all of you because you are a hidden figure. Wherever God has placed you, you're a hidden figure that can bring change. So many times I talk to people and there's times I deal with myself, you feel that you can be undervalued, overlooked, that am I really making a difference in my job? Well, let me tell you, people see when you go out of your way to bless somebody. It could be you work in a call center and you work to someone right next to you who just screams on the phone all the time, and they get on your last nerve. Well, guess what? They might pack up early. You stay a few minutes later, and you just clean off their desk. You put a couple post-it notes, and you just encourage them. Little things like that can begin to break down walls and build bridges to people. We're going to see through the heart of God that he's given us assignment, instruction of how we can reach the world through the love of Christ. We talked in our First week as well, that for so long our, our church has confused a lot of people. People walk in, they see diversity, they see a place where um, so many denominations and men have said only a woman can stand, and the power of God through Pastor Joyce that started this church and started this school, and so many of you that have encouraged her and been around and served here. It's amazing when we can all unite 
because Scripture says that it's neither male nor female. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. We all bleed the same blood, and that blood is Jesus Christ. So let's dive in to the Word of God. And this morning, I really want to give the sermon over to Jesus and allow one of his most powerful sermons, known as the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, that he shares that if you're going to be successful, if we're going to be able to reach people, if you're going to have real blessing in your life, this is what it's going to look like. And this is the attitudes that we're supposed to have to people we love, people we just kind of like, and people that are, we consider our enemies. That this is the attitudes we have to take. To give a little context before we jump into Matthew 5, you have to know that in the Old Testament, it had been somewhat of 400 years before the word of God had come. And so Jesus comes on the scene and everyone's excited because, oh my gosh, God has come in the flesh. This is the Messiah that we've been told about through the prophets and he is here and we want to hang onto every word that he has spoken. And so they are just so hungry. They're, they're under current day oppression from the Roman Empire. You read the Old Testament, you see that how God's people were constantly under oppression and constantly uh, uh, having to work their way out and deal with people who didn't want to see God's people move forward. You might deal with that, feel that. You know, our country is coming into a place where it doesn't want God to be mainstream anymore. So anytime you make a public stand that I'm spirit-filled, I worship God, I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus, you basically put a target on yourself. And so there's ways that we can be strategic, but it's really nothing new. It's in the word of God of how we're to live. Now, the things Jesus is about to speak here, you have to understand that the people were so fed up being oppressed that they were ready to bear arms. They were ready to see Jesus ride in on a stallion, be this government leader, and overthrow the Romans. That's a lot of who Barabbas was, if you know him. He, was, he would get riled up and get people wanting to, let's, let's physically take this force. But we see Jesus goes even deeper than that. We see, know Jesus, that he fulfills the law, right? That he fulfills the Ten Commandments and actually goes a step deeper where it just doesn't matter about the externals. It matters the motive in your heart. It matters when you're at work or uh, you're talking with someone and you can't stand them, but you have a big smile on your face. They would never know, but in your heart and in your mind, you just want to grab them by the head and do one of those. <laughs> Happens. So Jesus, again, is preaching to an audience, to these hidden figures that are really going to go out and take this message and begin to walk it out and show people what it really means to follow Jesus. There's different races in this audience that Jesus is about to preach. There's uh, male, there's female, there's Jews and Gentiles, people that aren't supposed to be together and intermingle. But Jesus brings it all together. So I want you to hear these words, and I want it to be a refresher for you, wherever you find yourself. And during this message, if there's people you know that have hurt you deeply, begin to whisper, I forgive them. I forgive them because offense always builds a fence around your life. And it's time for that fence to fall. And it's time to let the word of God have its way in your life as it is mine. You know, the thing is, you get the 30-minute version of this. I've had to sit on this for 15 hours this week, and it has just wrecked me. <laughs> and so I pray that this, the words of Jesus encourage you from the Sermon on the Mount. And we go to new heights and go to new levels and outside of the church. 
Matthew 5, 2 says this. It says, Then Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm telling you, if you hunger and thirst for the things of God, you're going to be filled. If you show up with God, you're going to be filled. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You reap what you sow, you're merciful. God will be merciful to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It matters the decisions we make. It matters how we talk. It matters the choices we do. We should be striving for purity of heart. In verse 9, I believe this fits so in with our hidden figures. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. At the we are, we're to be peacemakers with those around us. And so Jesus is saying, okay, now that you're going to live this out, there's going to be some persecution. People aren't going to quite get you and aren't going to like you. It says, blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness snake, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Anybody ever talk about you, gossip about you, say things about you, jab you? The world we live in and it's what we deal with on a daily basis. But here's what Jesus says. He says, rejoice. I can tell you everyone sitting there is like, this was the last thing we were expecting to hear from our Messiah. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great, somebody say great, great. is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus also said, they hated me first, so they're going to hate you. So we see Jesus set the scene. We see him share these things. The people in the audience, the hidden figures, aren't quite knowing how to take what Jesus is saying. But what we're going to see is three different times, he's going to take it up a higher dose, or he's going to take it up to another level. Look what Matthew 5, 13 says. Jesus talks about, okay, now that this is what true blessing looks like. In the West, when we hear blessing all the time, usually we just associate it with money. If I can get more money, if I can get more comfort in, our, in my life. Jesus kind of preached a little bit of a different message there of what real blessing is. Now, blessing can come through finances, but like the proverb says, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. And give us finances and give us money to fulfill his purpose. But we have to see blessing in a whole fuller picture. And this is what Jesus is, is laying out. Verse 13 says this. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then a good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Kind of offensive there. Basically, if you're not salty, I'm going to throw you out. And you're going to be trampled on. should be a, a motivation that, man, I'm going to make sure I'm seasoned and I have the flavor of God in my life. Jesus is the best flavor out there, y'all. Basket Robinson says they have it. Jesus has got it first, man. Verse 14 says that you are the light of the world, a city on, that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So when you're walking in the flavor of God, there is a light that should shine off your life and draw men because they see you operating in the love of God. Let your light so shine before men that they may see 
good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, God has given each and every one of us a platform of some sort, a platform to how you're to raise your kids, a platform in your marriage, a platform in your job. When they see your good works, you're shining the light of heaven into a place that, for example, a high school or a public place that doesn't allow God or allow Jesus. Well, little do they know is you are Jesus walking in there every day. They can't stop you. So Jesus is even saying in the context of who he's preaching it to, yeah, you might be a Jew or Gentile or you might be black or you might be white or whatever it is. He's saying we all have the flavor of God. When we have Jesus, we all bleed the blood of Jesus now. So he's bringing unity into this group of diversity. You know, I think when you read these things of being salt and light, this is really what the struggle is in Christianity. That this goes past to, if I just show up at church, or if I, if I pray, that's, that's good and well, but Jesus is saying, we have to be salt and light. If we want to see our world change and people get Jesus, look at Billy Graham. We lost a, a general in the faith. Look at his heart and his passion of how he bled to reach the lost and the broken. You go back and you see all these amazing sermons that he preached. Go and listen to them and you'll see just his passion. You get to the end of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You'll see that the people were astonished. But it wasn't necessarily for the content he was saying. It was the way that he said it. It was the authority that he spoken in. Truth, they were bearing witness with truth in that moment. And I pray as you read this, that it would just get to the core of who you are. For it said that these Beatitudes are the constitution of Christianity. This is really the, the foundation and the framework of how we're to live our lives and how we're to treat people and love people. So Jesus is, is taking them to another level. Say another level. He goes again, and the context of this is going the second mile in Matthew 38. This is where it gets really tough. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you when they hear that, okay, now Jesus is speaking our language. He's finally talking our talk. And then he says this. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. I think that's one of the toughest scriptures to wrestle with because everything within our flesh, when we have raw emotions, when we're in a situation where we just want to let loose and unleash, when we get angry, jealous, mad, sad, it says to turn the other cheek. Now, what Jesus is saying here, don't be a pacifist your whole life. Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. But you don't allow raw emotions to guide you and make poor decisions in a moment when you want to react. It's you take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to turn the other cheek all the way. I'm just going to walk away from this situation. I'm going to go and pray about it and cool down before I deal with this situation. So Jesus is saying, you've got to have some uh, backbone. You've got to be able to, to, to trust me in this. You know, a lot of people, you've heard it said that Christianity is a crutch, right? Or Christianity is for weak people. These things that you're reading... Christianity is one of the toughest uh, ideas or, or ways to follow. This is not easy. So anyone who says this, this is a crutch, just say, hey, go read Matthew 5 and tell me how much of a crutch that is. And so again, the, the people in this context are just saying, oh my God, okay, Jesus, what, what is going on here? 
But I believe as he began to go deeper into it, again, you'll see at the end where it said they, they went from being kind of angry and, okay, this is what we're going to have to do to being astonished because this is the way to life and this is the way to truth and this is the way to change. So he takes it up one more level here. And this is where it gets really sticky and it gets tough. And I believe this is where all of us are challenged. You can think you're so spiritual. I can think I'm so spiritual. But when you read this stuff, it hits you in the face. Because it, salvation is a lifetime. And it says that we're to work our salvation out in fear and in trembling. It takes a process. It takes a journey to really love those who curse us and to bless those that are our enemies. Look what it says. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Loving our crews, loving our families, loving our, our small circles, man, that's easy. It's when you step out of that, you even step out of people in the church who just rub you the wrong way or make, smell a certain way, look a certain way, say a certain thing. That's really putting the love of Jesus on display to people whose society says really doesn't deserve it and hasn't earned it. And so he goes on to say, even the tax collectors, man, they even love more than what we see loving. But look what it says. It says in verse 48 that, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the icing on the cake. That's the standard that Jesus leaves us in this. Now, through all this, you can just see probably some of the people were just like, oh my gosh, Jesus, how is this going to happen? They just start to feel the weight of it. But the beautiful thing is, you know, this was before Pentecost. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have grace in our lives. We have empowerment from heaven to be able to love and live like this. We just have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to open up and receive this into our lives. Because everything that Jesus says about this, it requires change. It requires a lifestyle change. It requires getting out of what feels good in our flesh. So Jesus is it's setting the scene of how really we're to be a witness. He also says in John that they will, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love. That's how they'll know you're my followers by love, not by how many scriptures you can read, not by how many times you show up to church. All those things are good and well, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't translate into action because compassion is love in action, when we have compassion for people, that's when they see Jesus. And the world is tired of just hearing about it. They're ready to see it. And I want our church to be on the forefront of loving our community, loving our kids here at the church. It's amazing you walk over into kids' ministry. One of these weeks, we're going we're gonna to sneak a live stream camera over there, and you're gonna, we're going to be able to watch them. But just seeing how kids are, are some, Cole and, and Becca, our children's pastors were telling me they were doing a series on the Holy Spirit and how kids were in tears and they were receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. These are our GPC kids in third, fourth, fifth grade. It's amazing what God can do when uh, seeing the heart of them and how they love our children here in the house, what that can do and what doors that can open up to know God has a plan and purpose and love for our life. Revelation 3, 15 through 21. 
just want to kind of camp out here for a second. So if you read Revelation, you're probably confused, as I am most of the time. But you see that always, something that always uh, really resonated with me is Jesus uh, talks of seven churches, and five out of those seven churches uh, were confronted and rebuked to repent. So they were kind of out of line, and Jesus comes on the scene. John writes about it, and the last church we see that John writes about is the church of Laodicea. And we see in this church that this church was very comfortable. They were very well off. They had money. They uh, kind of fell away from their first love, who's Jesus. They lost their, their zeal. They lost their fervor. And here's what he says. And this is a challenge for all of us, that we be hot or we be cold. Because he says when we're lukewarm, he vomits us out of his mouth. Now, if I were to hear that, I would get really offended. But it's the truth. Look what it says. It says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. Then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, it says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched. So it's saying you can have all these houses and all this money. You can have all this comfort and friends and stuff. But in your soul, deep down, you're wretched, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may be clothed. You're seeing that Jesus wants an outward expression. He wants to see the works. He wants there to be a flavor on our lives. And it says that I want your eyes to be anointed with the salve so that you may see. The salve represents the Holy Spirit anointing our eyes so that we can see beyond face value. We can see the words of Jesus and how they come alive. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Come on, it's good to get a good spanking sometimes. Parents said amen. But he says, therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand, this is, this is a scripture we've all heard and we love, and it's a great evangelistic scripture, but to see here in the context it's being preached in. It's not being preached to outsiders. It's not being preached at, uh, to unbelievers. This is being shared to the church. So it's saying this church has the appearance of, man, everything's going on. There's life, there's spirit, there's energy. But look what he says. He says, but behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking but no one's listening. They can't hear me. I'm, I'm trying to come in. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Here's where we see the power of Jesus. To him who overcomes. So to him who is willing to apply God's word to your, to your life. To him who is willing to pursue marriage of how Jesus teaches us, to him who is willing to raise our kids by the word of God, to him who is willing to have Jesus as the standard in our perspective and everything in our lives, to him who is willing to be zealous and repent, you'll overcome. You'll sit with me on my throne as I also overcome and sat down with my father. I'm telling you, there's power when you get past the surfacey things and you allow Jesus to get real with you. When he gets real with you, when you get real with him, he always gets real with you. And I pray that this is always a church where we get real with God. We just don't check in, check out. We don't check in with God and just check out on Sundays. But we allow the power of God to permeate everything of who we are. 
I'm telling you, there's revival that's coming to our country. The world is unraveling. We see all you have to do is turn on the news and see when the next this or the next that is. It's time for believers to stand up with backbone, but with the love of God motivating everything. Not trying to prove I'm right, this is how it's going to... No, this is what Jesus says, and he loves you, and here's what it looks like to follow him. Our lives have to have an aroma. You think about essentials oils. Anybody do essential oils? You're like... I'm an oils person. Breeze recently got into it, and what do you call the, the, the machine? The diffuser. Anybody got the diffuser? If you're serious, you got diffusers going in like every room. They're awesome. Sometimes they even change colors, and I don't know, it's fun to watch. But in order to get a precious oil, at some point, that seed or whatever it may be has to be crushed. In order for there to be an aroma on our lives, that's why Christianity is all about the cross. Because it comes of allowing our old nature, our way of sin, to be crushed. And when we allow Jesus' reckless love to touch us, guess what? We become a pleasing aroma to God. We talked of last week that we want to imitate Jesus in everything we are. The word you need to hear is begin to imitate Jesus again in your marriage. Begin to imitate Jesus around your boss again. If you just take that, watch how things can change. I'm telling you, God wants to move and he wants to do and he's, he's speaking to us and he's speaking to our country and he's speaking that, hey, we're all hidden figures and he's put us in places of influence. And if we can take these blessings and apply them to our lives, we'll begin to see Jesus move and we'll begin to see people experience the love of God. Bree, if you would come, I want to pray for you here in a minute. I want to make... Uh, a declaration because battles have been fought and Jesus wants to capture our hearts. He wants to draw us in. Don't be, let's not be like the Laodicean church and lose sight of our first love. Even there's always good things we can do. Nothing's wrong with vacation. Nothing's good with family time. But it's as Jesus always did before he went and changed or preached, he always went up to the mountain and he spent time with God and got the heart of God for a situation. My heart and my prayer is that you would spend that time to get the heart of God for every situation. You know, it matters. There's times when, when me and Bree moved, it mattered where we lived. We prayed, God, wherever you have us to live, that's where we want to be. Whoever our neighbors are supposed to be, that's where we want to be. Bring God into the everyday life. Bring God into every situation. And watch as he'll speak to you. I believe he's spoken to you here this morning as we took time. And I believe that God wants to set us free. He wants to set you free of offense in your life. He wants to set you free from areas that are, are, are mind-binding. He wants to set you free. He wants to show you how to fight the battle in the spirit to really get freedom. Stop talking about it. Stop gossiping about it and really fight it and get the freedom that you need. Because in that moment, that's where a game changer happens. That's where you see the power of God come forth and anoint your hands with what you're doing. Because it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord. It's by His Spirit that things change. And as we saw through that video, it's, a, and it's an example when we all come together and we unite on the essentials, we're willing to stick through things. We don't run when it gets tough, but we hang in there. And we go before the cross, we bow low, we repent. We be zealous and we repent 
and we bleed, we share our heart with God, that's where renewal always comes. And I want you to be so renewed, so full of the life of the Holy Spirit that fear can't stop you, that someone's opinion can't stop you, that whatever it may be, you can overcome and you can have an unstoppable spirit about you because you love so fearlessly. Loving fearlessly is not easy. Jesus said it's not. You're going to get persecuted. It's not going to make sense to people. But it's the very thing that can change our world. It can change your home. So if you bow your head, I want to pray with you. Jesus, we thank you. God, that you knock on the door of our heart this morning. God, right now, we just picture, we picture opening up the door and you coming in, seeing us in our nakedness, seeing us just real and raw. Father, in that moment, you see everything about us. And we surrender everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, to you. And as you come, you put the salve upon our eyes. And healing flows from the top to the bottom. God, we receive right now the salve of the Holy Spirit. Whether there be any edge on us, manipulation, control, jealousy, fear, uncertainty, disunity. God, allow the salve of the Holy Spirit to heal us right now. God, because this is where battles are fought. The moment we leave this temple, we go out and we wage war. We're the church militant. We fight for the kingdom of God. We destroy the works of the devil. But we do it in a way where we can turn the other cheek. We can love our enemies. We can even bless our enemies. God, renew us right now. We repent of any sin. We repent of poor decisions. God, we lay low before the foot of the cross. Jesus, you tell us it is finished when we repent, that you forgive our sins and you pour grace and mercy and empowerment on our lives. Empower this church to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit that would never grieve you, but would accomplish all that you have for this body to do. We want to see Florence, we want to see Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati be changed because of our presence. God, that this place wouldn't be the same without us. We love you, Jesus. Deposit healing into our lives right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I love you, and I'm thankful for you.